Guys, I have a favor. You know that we have great advertisers that support the show and keep it free for you. And one of the reasons why advertisers love reading aloud is that they know that the show has amazing listeners who are smart people. Right now, we have a survey that I'd like you to take, and it'll help us learn more about our audience, about you. So go to podsurvey.com backslash Nate, and it'll only take five minutes. We want to ask you some questions about yourself and what you like to buy. It's completely anonymous, but it helps us figure out how to advertise to our audience in the best way possible, so you're not listening to ads that you have no interest in at all. And when you fill out the survey, you're entered into a monthly drawing for a $100 Amazon gift card. And you can use that to buy stuff. So if you've ever taken a podcast listener survey before, I'd like to ask you to take ours and help support the show. And don't forget, you can get that $100 gift card if they pull your name out of the hat. So once again, that's podsurvey.com slash Nate, P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y.com slash Nate. Help us build a better show. Thanks, guys. Today's episode has been brought to you by Loot Crate, the subscription box for the geek, gamer, and nerd in all of us. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items of gamer and pop culture licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. Make sure to head to Loot Crate, L-O-O-T-C-R-A-T-E dot com slash Nate, enter code Nate, and save three bucks on any new subscription. Remember, you only have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific time to subscribe and receive that month's crate. So when the cutoff happens, it happens. It's over, people. So go to lootcrate.com slash Nate and enter code Nate to save three bucks on your new subscription today. Hello, Reading Alouders. My name is Nate Cordry. I host this show for you, and only you. I don't do it for myself. I do it to please you. Hi. Hey, thanks for listening. Uh, This week's show is another special episode where I'm not going to have any readings, besides the internal readings that are happening within this incredible interview. I have to uh, thank Sank. Could I get a cup of Sanka? I would like to thank Sarah Thayer, who hosts the show uh, with Susan Orlean called Crybabies on this very network. The show is real funny. Those ladies are fucking great, and it's a real fun show to listen to. They basically talk to people every week about what makes them cry. It's such a great premise for a podcast. Um, so check out their show. But Sarah was kind enough to guide me towards my guest today who you're going to be hearing from very shortly. But before we get to that, let me first say that I had an amazing live show this past weekend at the UCB uh, on Franklin here in Hollywood. Amazing readers. Um, Another member of the Wolfpaw family, Baron Vaughn, who hosts a show with Leonard Malton about movies, about the moving pictures. He came in and read it a really hilarious piece. Um, So there's lots of uh, synergy happening here at Reading Aloud. Uh, It was a great live show, and uh, I'm so excited to bring you some uh, excerpts from it, but just not this week. It'll be later. Later on, I'm going to save those. Um, 
But some news, some really exciting news. No live show next month, July. There will be no live show. However, there will be a live book club. Yes! I just picked up the microphone and moved it because I'm excited. Live book club. Your chance to come out and interact with us, the panel, and have a book club experience with a bunch of strangers. Yes! So if you live in the greater Los Angeles area, mark it on your calendar, Tuesday, July 21st, live book club at Skylight Books in Los Feliz here in Hollywood, right on Vermont, Vermont and Franklin, basically. Great bookstore, one of my favorite bookstores. We've talked to some folks who work there. Kevin, of course, um, who I interviewed earlier in the year and who has been on a couple of book clubs. Uh, Skylight is an amazing bookstore, and I partnered with them to host this live event uh, with an amazing panel, and we are reading H is for Hawk, written by Helen McDonald. It came out a few months ago. And it is getting amazing press. It's a New York Times bestseller, and it's probably going to be shortlisted for the National Book Award. Uh, It's getting so much attention, and people are sort of obsessing about this book. H is for Hawk. Helen McDonald, that's the next book for the book club. Pick it up, and if you live in the Los Angeles area, uh, you can pick it up in person at Skylight Books. Just grab the book, walk up to the to the man or woman at the cash register and say, hey, I'm part of Reading Aloud. And they're going to go, amazing, here's 15% off. Yeah. Or if you don't live in Los Angeles, you can call them and order it from them. You can do it online as well, but I'm not sure if you can like type it in and get the, the Reading Aloud discount on the website. So I think you have to call the, score, store, the store. But it's at skylightbooks.com. Go there, find the number, call them up and say, I want H's for Hawk and I want 50% off. And they say, okay, cool. We like you. So no live show next month, but a live book club. Uh, Paul Shear will be on the panel. Aya Cash will be on the panel. Julian Smolinski will be on the panel. All friends of the show. They've all either been part of a book club or read something for my show. As well as Jerry Stahl. That transitions to today's episode. The great Jerry Stahl, who I've been a fan of for a lot of years, came into the studio and we talked about a whole bunch of stuff. And boy, is he a compelling character. He is such a cool guy. And he was really honest and engaging. And um, I could not be happier with this interview. I'm really proud of it, to be honest. And I'm excited to share it with you guys. So, um, Buckle up and enjoy uh, the great Jerry Stahl. Here he is. Jerry Stahl is my guest today. He writes for a living. Uh, Perhaps you've heard of Permanent Midnight, I Fatty, Perv a Love Story, Bad Sex on Speed. He has a brand new book that I just read, which is a fucking party. It's called OG Dad, about becoming a new father. Uh, We're going to talk about that book a bunch. But he's also worked extensively in film and television, uh, 30-something, ALF, CSI, Marin, Mark Marin's show now. That's where you're currently presiding. Yes. Is that true? All um, the previous ones you mentioned, I was sort of there but sort of not, except for CSI. Were you? 30-something, you know, not really in the room when I was in the room. Gotcha. How much time did you spend with Timoth- Timothy Busfield? 
as much as I could. Love him like a brother. <laughs> Fucking delightful man. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. Fair but enough. I'm sure he's great. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I didn't spend a lot of time in the room on those shows. I was yeah. strung out like a lab rat, so I, I was not really a contributing member of the writing society at that time. When you're strung out, are you writing strung out at your home? No, I, I was just sort of fired immediately after right. all these gigs. Yeah, I've been fired from a lot of the great shows back in the uh, 80s or 90s or whatever the hell that was. Right. Were you, were you turning- Not to brag. I'm Please, saying, no. Yes. <laughs> were you turning in scripts and they were going, what the f- Are you out of I your actually, fucking mind? I uh, actually, I turned in a script on uh, um, Twin Peaks. It actually had blood and hair on it. Because I, I was the last guy not to have a computer, and I had apparently done something that got some blood on it, and I sure. guess... Well, you were shaving. That's exactly <laughs> what I was doing. Uh, I was shedding is what I was doing. Right. And uh, yeah, they weren't, uh, they weren't happy. That wasn't up David, uh, David Lynch's alley? Apparently I, not. I feel like he'd be like, oh, this Apparently is... he keeps his alley blood and hair free. Okay. All right. He's not into it. Well, he's a coward. Um, I love the guy. He's a great guy. Is he? Yeah, he's a terrific. I, I, I had a uh, cameo in uh, Inland Empire. No shit. Yeah. What was that like? It was great. The guy is on set is so calm. Yeah. And he has the greatest hair. A dude that motherfucker has for the hair. ages. Yeah. I mean, that I mean, is wow. Some, there are oh. things in that hair we can't even speculate no. about. Yeah. Time and space don't exist. Not in, in that head of, head of hair. No. No, sir. No. I wonder yeah. how that. How did that? Is that just good genes? I feel like he might be magic. It might be magic. I don't know that it's grooming. I think it just grows that way. Wow. It's a great look, and he's a very calm guy. A big TM uh, of course, guy, as yes. well as David Lynch yeah. Foundation. I was mm-hmm. supposed to go to, he had a concert recently, like two right. weeks ago to yes. raise, uh, right. and I was supposed to go, and I couldn't, like, something came up, and I didn't go. But You're um, a busy man with a big I, social calendar. Forget about it. No, I mean. I'm surprised I, you could squeeze me in. Barely. I we had to. We had to cancel the first one. I know. Because I was pursuing Hollywood dreams. I saw him up there weeping. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> I thought you meant the first guest. Oh, yes. Well, no, you were auditioning, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Chasing, chasing work. Chasing um, the dream. Uh, I just saw, heroin is on my mind because I just saw this documentary last night. Ugh, this Elliot Smith documentary. Do you know Elliot Smith? Do you know much about his Very life? Very much so, yeah. yes. Um, did you ever cross paths with him? Did you ever meet him? I literally crossed paths. I don't know that I met him. No shit. Yeah. Really? Here in New York or in LA? On Sunset Boulevard. Wow. Just saw him. Yeah. You know? But I didn't want to go up and tell him, hey, man, love your work. Yeah, yeah. You know, of course. That, you know. Uh, it made me realize how, because um, he was an addict and he was strung out for a long time. And who knows the, what are the, uh, how he died. There's this whole tabloid thing like the, maybe he was murdered or did he commit suicide? Who knows? I, Isn't the story that he stabbed himself in the chest? Yeah, in the heart, twice. Yeah, that second stabbing doesn't seem to, you know. But they found... Who's to say? Who is to say? They found, like, defensive wounds on his hands. And in his, in his suicide note... So he was trying to stop himself. I, is it, Perhaps. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the suicide note, his name was misspelled. There's this whole fucking... Wow. Yeah, there's a whole story, like, that his... And the cops just dropped it because, hey, it's a fucking junkie murder. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, his, his girlfriend at the time was, I don't, it, it, there's a whole fucking. I wonder who the lucky bastard who go out, got to go out with her next. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, I better not upset her. No, no. Yeah. Um, 
And it's spelled Stephen, S-T-E-V. <laughs> Get it right. And <laughs> but it seemed yeah. like how I, I wonder if you think about um like as a former junkie, how lucky you are to have s- survived to a fucking Oh yeah. One. No, I I absolutely feel lucky on a good day. Right. Yeah, right. No, I'm very grateful. I mean, I shouldn't be here. Right. Uh, and a lot of people aren't. Yeah. And I, is it is, is it still are you balancing like this? Man, it'd be really that that high was spectacular, and I do miss it. Or is it like eighty twenty? Thank God I'm fucking alive, and thank God that that fucking nightmare is behind me. It's sort of both simultaneously. It's not even the drug, you know. It's sort of the life. Yeah. Because you know, when you're on heroin, life is very black and white. You either have it, you don't have it, or you're on your way to get it. You know, and just the rush of going to get this thing, yeah. you know, that's going to make everything better. That's almost better than the drug itself. That it's chase. Single-minded pursuit. Right. But weirdly, like, well, I was driving over here and I saw a guy on a bus bench. Yeah. Just sort of nodding, you know, looking as happy as a guy can look while drooling, you know, just like, and I'm like, <laughs> that looks good. You know, it's completely <laughs> insane. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, there's something about the fact that you have no responsibilities and you're right. just in that world. But that being said... Don't think I'm going back. No, no. There's a there's a great um, if I can find this. There's a great. Uh, I'm gonna read. I want to read parts of your Please, book. Please, I, I to would you. be honored. Is that weird? No, I'd be. Because usually when you're doing man. reading, you do the reading, but I kind of want to. You know do what? Reading. I I'm a big fan of yours. Oh, I would thanks. be so honored. Thank you. In man. fact, uh, you know, we should hire you to do the book on tape. I'm d- I'm there. I'm. I'm this is this is my audition for the book on tape. For enough, you've got the gig. Okay. Uh, there's a great when you're talking about. Um, when it's during the, the birth, and I think the epidural is about to go into mm-hmm. your girlfriend's back, and this, the anesthesiologist, who's very handsome, comes into the room and finally sticks it in, and, um, and you say, and I think Sharissa, uh, she's the nurse that is on, um, she says, in olden times, they used to just tie him down and gag him with a pair of lady drawers. Wow. Is all I can reply, but drug delivery system in place, the adolescent anesthesoid explains that he's going to insert a catheter since mommy's going to be completely numb downstairs. Then he shows her how she can control the amount of fentanyl she gets in the IV by just pressing her thumb on the button. The deal is she can feel the pressure, but she won't feel the pain. All in all, not a bad way to go through life. (laughs) Fucking... Fantastic. Yeah. Fucking A. Wow. Yep. Pressure, sure. No pain, just float right through life. Which makes the pressure really easy to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. The pressure can be kind of fun. Well, that's a different pressure than the pressure I was just feeling a moment ago. Doesn't bother me, this though. Is, this is <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah. I've um, never been in a situation with the thumb on the control like that. Yeah, right. Right. Wow. I've seen that. I've been in a hospital room with someone having that. And, uh, God, it's so strange how different people's pain tolerances are completely different just based on genetics, I guess. But, um, how someone can just not touch it at all mm-hmm. and think, oh, this is a, oh, that, what, they have that little, um, that sign with the, fa- with the sad faces, yeah, like, right. which face are you? And then there's the face of the guy stealing a TV to get more heroin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's number 11, <laughs> yeah, the right thief face. Right at the face. bottom, yeah. The fiend face. <laughs> right. I'm fiend. I'm at a fiend. Um, I want to go back here to how you, 
when you discovered writing and when how why you just decided that writing was going to be your path to sit alone in solitary confinement basically with just mm-hmm. you and a typewriter and go to fucking war mm-hmm. like why uh, I will tell you why. I really wanted to be in rock and roll. I was a horrible musician. Oh, okay. And at an early age, when I was sort of a young, fledgling drug addict, there seemed like no better way to go through life than writing, which you could do fucked up, naked, and alone at like three in the morning. Yeah, and yeah. Conceivably, make a living. Right. You know, the idea of a straight gig, I just couldn't. I just couldn't figure it. Right. So, uh, you know, a lot of my heroes were sort of junkie writers or junkie musicians, and I figured that would be the way I went through life. Yeah. You know? When did you discover, like, like Burroughs and, like, all those guys? Like, how old were you? I was way too young. Uh, my sister had a, had a boyfriend uh, who was, like, a very cool guy, and my old man had checked himself out when I was, like, 16. So this guy, to sort of get me through that period after he killed himself, was just gave me all these, like, Burroughs and Terry Southern and Jean Genet and, Whoa. you know, Celine and all these guys you should not be giving to an impressionable. <laughs> and it just shaped me. like And, you know, uh, Hunter Thompson and all this yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, these are my fucking heroes, you know, and Lenny Bruce records, you know, the whole, the whole package of, wow. like... Oh, is that the fire alarm? It sure is. Hold on. Should we stay? I'm gonna. How'd they die? Well, they didn't want to leave the studio. <laughs> I'll die in a fire with Jerry Stahl. I don't give a sure. I don't care. Balls out. This is the second time that this has happened. Yeah. The last time was when I was talking to Henry Winkler. <laughs> so you're in good company. And he is, you know, he's an inflammatory man. <laughs> so. What do you think? Do we have to go outside? All right. God damn it. What do you think, yeah, Sam? I guess so. Or, well, it's up to you. Do you want to try and ride it out? What do you think, Jerry? I'm not smelling smoke. Neither am I. Let's keep going. All right. I want to – where did this guy go, this, this boyfriend of your, of your sister's? He became a doctor. No shit. <laughs> yeah. Did he, you stay in touch with him? Uh, a couple times over the years. Did know. they br- uh, did they break up or they? Yeah, I mean, this is you know this is like her high school boyfriend, right? You know, but yeah, yeah. She was in college at the time, but uh, yeah, and it really uh, I I just like I read this guy like Nathaniel West. He wrote uh, yeah, you know, David Locke and yeah, and uh, he wrote a book called The Dream Life of Dream Life of Balzo Snell. And at one point, for no apparent reason, in the middle of the book, he goes. Written while sniffing the forefinger of my left hand, which when you're 16 years old is so weird. It's like, I don't even know you're allowed to say shit like right, that. Right, right. You know, yeah. these people were so like viciously anti-everything and so funny that, you know, when you're an adolescent anyway, which is a period I'm probably stuck at because they say that emotionally you stop developing at the year you started using drugs. No shit. So, you know, uh, oh, I'm probably like a strong 15 year old for the rest of my life or 14 uh and it just spoke to me man you know it's like i love those fucking guys yeah yeah and flannery o'connor you know i, yeah. I just i just love these writers who just it was something to do with this is going to sound hokey but it was like if you're an accountant and you feel like all kind of pain and fucked up shit what are you going to do you got to go to work and Deal with. Yeah. If you're a writer, you know, musician or something, it's like material. It's like a, a Ziggy Pop would say, it's like some weird gift. 
you know, and that for me was like a way to survive the world. Absolutely. I feel like a lot of actors, it's based in a similar kind of mm -hmm. vocabulary where you have most good actors are in, are very sensitive people mm -hmm. and they have to negotiate their sensitivity and that sensitivity is, can bring them lots of success. But the other side of that is that you're fucking, you're feeling everything. Yeah, good and bad. That's right. And you want to express that. And what better way to express it in a safe environment mm -hmm. than playing a character who fucking feels anger and pain and can unleash all of Absolutely. it. It's like this yeah. great way to like, oh, I need to fucking get this off because I'm yeah. feeling it in here. Mm -hmm. Isn't this a great way to express it? I think that's the same. It is. It's, you know, what thing. else can you do with the voices in your head? Yeah, right. You can pretend they're not there or you can just listen to them and put them on the page on yeah. a good day. You know? Yeah, fuck yeah. And hopefully not run screaming down the street. It's like, there's this great James Joyce line, you know, his daughter was schizophrenic. And he said, the only difference between me and my daughter is that I know how to write. Right. So right. there it is. Yeah. Can you share some of your writing habits for my listeners? I'm always fascinated in finding out like tan the tangible, like the nuts and bolts of what it means to actually Right. Do you do you have a like a daily schedule that you follow, or is it just so you follow in your gut? And when something starts clicking in your brain, you sit down, or do you force yourself to? My natural state is just because I don't do drugs anymore. Is to like write all night, which is like being on a drug. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like it's like you're four in the morning. It's three. You're walking a dog through like weird, mysterious coyote <sighs> land. You know, but now you know I sort of can't do that. So uh, now I'm more of a binge writer. Like I can, I will just grab when I can and yeah. just go in there for as many hours, nights, or days as I can. But, you know, I got a kid, and you know, half the year I got a job, and I got deadlines right. on movies and stuff. But for books, which to me is still yeah the thing, you know. Um, it's really about just getting lost in there for where someplace where time just disappears. And, you know, hopefully you can do it for like a week or keep going and keep going. I did a book called painkillers where I had enough money at the time to hire an assistant. Mm. And, uh, I was more or less kind of semi single. So I just would like disappear all night and never have to deal with the world. Wow. And it is the most fucked up book ever written <gasps> from, it's like, it's, very popular in France and America. I think it's sold in the high <laughs> <Yeah>. twos. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just a way to lose yourself. Yeah. I don't even know that it has that much to do with the writing as it has to do with getting the fuck out of life. To yeah, yeah, the experience. Honest, yeah, you know? right. Do you have a door that you can close that you do this in private or do you In just... my head. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm closing it now, Nate. Right, bye. Uh, <laughs> See, Wasn't Jerry's Jerry go, cool, well, Sam? He's great, yeah. but now he seems catatonic. <laughs> yeah. it's, all, it's very strange. Uh, uh, willed catatonia. Yeah, you know, I, I've learned to do it anywhere. You know, I'm right. in, in chaos with babies screaming or yeah. women screaming or right. debt collectors screaming. Sure. You know, just I need the screaming, basically. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, or else, you know, locked in a room. I mean, I've just learned over the years from living rough and not having places and this and that. You know, you just sort of do it anywhere. Yeah. That's what would get me through. Yeah, right. Is it a transition to go back into a writer's room? Like when you're working on I, You know, I'd never no. been on staff my entire life mm. until this. I've always like been a consultant. Yeah. I had this sense that I needed to be alone. Then I realized I took this gig and it was great. It was great being around people. Yeah. You mentioned in the book about like these the writers are telling you about new bands and all this. Oh, yeah, it was great. You have this new circle of people that you never would have otherwise sort of crossed paths Absolutely. with. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, especially, you know, comedians and yeah. bitter comedy writers. I mean, it's great. Right. And... But, you know, this other thing happened, um, which I, I talk about in the intro to the book, where it's like, 
you know, as a result of the uh, heroin, you know, I, I didn't get AIDS, but I got hepatitis C. So I was like basically dying for like 25 fucking years and just cured it like two years ago. Uh, which, you know, I talk about in the yeah. intro to the book where I was so toxic that like a drop of my sweat if it had touched my pregnant girlfriend. The kid right. would have been born with like Nine. dorsal fins and a three-day beard, you know. <laughs> uh, so suddenly it's like at the ripe age of 100 and whatever the fuck I am, you know, I'm like healthy and I don't feel like shit every day. So yeah. it's like it, it's a very odd thing. It's like wow. to realize half your, you know, your entire adult life you were just strung out. We're dying. And then suddenly, the age of like, I don't know, like 59 or something, like, hey, I feel good. I guess this is how normal people live. Jesus. So I went out and did what normal people do and got a gig. Wow. It's kind of bizarre, oh I suppose. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that's- How fat, how quickly, once you were taking the drugs, did you start, did, did the, did it take weeks or was it like 24 hours? You're like, whoa, okay, this is different. Well, oh. it was a very, it was, it was non-FDA approved. It was a trial drug program which t- means that all the crazy bad acid-like side effects, they yeah. have probably like ironed out when I actually patent the fucking thing. Right. So it was like 12 weeks of bad acid. The, the virus disappeared like after a week, but because I was on such a heavy dose of like weird kind of, uh, you know, just it was sort of like an AIDS cocktail and it was just really fucked with my head. Yeah. It was sort of like... You're way too young for this, but they used to stick put strychnine and like bad speed into like acid that you would buy on the corner of like oh, you know fuck yeah uh, and Telegraph Avenue in Berkeley back right. in the day right and uh, basically you don't hallucinate you just feel crazy like people are talking you know, like like the ants are making fun of you you know fuck so oh, that was God. fun. <laughs> Let's take uh, like the smallest of breaks and we'll be right back uh, with more Reading Aloud. Stay tuned. Snacks. Who doesn't love snacks? But who doesn't like getting in their car and driving to get their snacks? That's a drag. Snacks should come to you. Well, guess what? That's what graze.com does. G-R-A-Z-E.com. Graze.com is a box service that sends you Delicious snacks right to your door. They got uh, uh, pure fruit and nut mixes. They got broths, cookie dippers. They got everything. So you go to graze.com, pick out the uh, campfire s'mores or the triple berry smoothie or the punchy protein nuts with a chili lime twist. They're all there on the internet. You go there. No GMOs or artificial flavors or trans fat. You find the ones you want, you click them, and then they send them to you. In your home, graze.com, G-R-A-Z-E.com. Go there now and get a free trial box that includes four of their top-rated and most delicious snacks. Also, use the special code NATE. That's graze, G-R-A-Z-E.com, code NATE, and you'll get a free box. Huh. Student loans. That makes you sweat, right? Well... MeetEarnest.com is here to help you and help you save thousands and make the whole process incredibly easy. 
meetearnest.com. They can help customers save more than $12,500 with their rates as low as 1.9, which is pretty insane. You set your own terms. You can change your payment amount and date, or if you need to skip a payment, they'll let you do that. It's all just a few little little tippy-typey clicks away at meetearnest.com, M-E-E-T-E-A-R-N-E-S-T.com. They always give you the lowest possible rate, and there's no third party that gets involved. They're not going to sell your information to anyone. It takes less than two minutes to find out how much you can save, and you'll get $150 cash back when you refinance through meetearnest.com if you use slash Nate. So don't forget that. So don't get stuck paying more than you have to. So go to meetearnest.com slash Nate and take control of your rates today. But I wrote a book during that time. I wrote a novel called Bad Sex on Speed because I was yeah. feeling so crazy. I figured I might, as well, I might as well just use this let's, insanity. Yeah, let's get it out. So that's a festive book. <laughs> that's an after school special. <laughs> Uh, the new book is due out uh, when? It's coming out officially on Father's Day. Fucking brilliant. June 21st, for those who don't know when Father's Day is. And uh, it's what they call a soft release. It will probably be available here and there before that. Flaccid. A flaccid release, as sure. I like to say. But it's going to get real stiff real quick. I like to think so. Uh, it's called OG Dad. And that stands for Old Guy Dad. You know, I was interviewed by somebody from NPR once, and I told her the title of my book because I'm thinking everybody knows it means original gangster. And uh-huh. she was like, what does OG spell? You know, I had to explain to the NPR lady what, 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 the o- root of what it. OG meant. Oh, wow. So it's sort of, you know, old guy. Yeah, we're going to yeah. go with old guy because <laughs> how could I claim to be an original gangster? Uh, it's about your experience, uh, the, the pregnancy, the birth. And the first two years, roughly, of yeah, your daughter's life? roughly, yeah. I mean, um, the subtitle is Weird Shit Happens When You Don't Die Young. Right. Uh, it is hilarious. It's outrageous. It is cringeworthy. It is brutally honest. It's the only way that Jerry Stahl knows how to write. It is fucking punk rock. And it is a must-read, especially if you're a new parent. I feel like this, you need, we need to hand this book out to every fucking Lamaze class in town and have every dad and, and mom and mommy read this, truly. I, I think That's it very, is- very kind of you. It is so fucking, I laughed out loud 50 times- Really? Reading this. Thanks, man. Are you, a, was, are you an easy laugher? No, no. Sam knows. I never fucking laugh. Nope. Try really? to tell me a joke. No. Boo! <laughs> Stupid idiot. Did you grow up um, in a family of like yuck hucksters? I mean, I know your brother and shit. I mean, yeah. is it like, are we all just competing to make each other laugh? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. The, the dinner, the dining room, um, sitting at dinner was very cutthroat. And uh, it wasn't people trying to outdo each other. Mm-hmm. It was, we're the best and everyone else out there are fucking jerks. Really? You had that kind of Kennedy-esque family pride. Oh, man. Wow. It was Good hard. for you. It was hard. So you have high self-esteem. Well. Or not. Eh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I find that. Yeah, that's, that's around sometimes. It, sometimes it takes a vacation, but yeah, overall. Good for you. Yes. What did your parents do, man? Um, my dad worked as an engineer. Um, he worked at Logan Airport. He's, he did airport stuff. When something broke at the airport, he had to figure out how to hire contractors to fix it. 
Ah. That was basically his job. He was the guy in charge of the guy. He was the guy in charge of the guy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then my mom was a housewife. She raised uh, three kids mm-hmm. and worked part-time at a library and uh, part-time at a church. Um, but she didn't have a full-time thing mm-hmm. until I was, you know, I got out of high school. But we spent most of our time just talking shit about other people that and like hysterical. empowering us. So cut to like my first month in college <laughs> when I'm sitting in the in the cafeteria with my new pals. Anyone who's walking by, oh, look at this fucking asshole. Yeah, nice hat. Please, you fucking. And finally, one guy was like, wow, you're, what's your problem? <laughs> you and I was, I was like, what? And he's like, you have a bad word to say about everyone. And it was just this fucking unveiling of like, oh my, oh my God. Oh shit. Okay. I need to figure, I need to figure this out. Yes. But it was at 18 when that sort of happened. So, um, but yeah, we were very like, it was us against them. And no one was attacking us. Was there, I was about to say, was there any reason no, for this defensive none, posture? None. <laughs> like we had the walls up, but it was like peacetime. Nobody was trying to break in. No, no, no. That's kind of a beautiful story. Just setup. ready to fucking It's almost like the survivalists or the people who wanna, you know, the immigration haters who are just waiting for that wave of immigrants yeah, to right. Right. It never fucking happens. Yep. Yeah. Has nothing to do with the immigrants. Like everything. in Texas now, they think that, you know, the government's going to invade them during this army procedure they're doing. Jesus Christ. And they'll be very disappointed if they're not attacked. Yeah. It, it has nothing to do with the, uh, with the, with the incoming forces and everything to do with their own fucking psyches. Like it was with us. And yet you're such a nice guy. You didn't make fun of my shoes you don't, when I walked you in. You barely you're... know me, Jerry. I mean, if we hang out, you might see Could it. I grow to hate you? I'm fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Would you just turn on me immediately? Look at yeah. That guy's, look at that guy's teeth. <laughs> look at that old Jew. Oh my God. That guy's <laughs> both old and Jewy. Bad um, combo. You, <laughs> you describe the internet in your book in the most beautiful way that I've ever seen. It's, it's lots of people have tried to describe the internet mm-hmm. and have failed. You won. Here it is, listeners. You ready? The internet is. <laughs> Half party sewer, half enlightenment engine. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. Thank tell you. me, tell me. Thank what you. does that mean? Expand on that. You've never been in a party sewer? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know that I want to break your cherry, man. No, yeah. I mean, I lived in New York for seven years, but I, I didn't, uh, it didn't get, it, it got dark sometimes, but not too dark. Well, what does party, what does that say to you? Half, half enlightenment engine, half party sewer. Well, party sewer is, um, I just see the worst of the worst, yeah. but with a, but with a big smile. Cause this is fucking fun, even though this may be destroying us. Yeah. Cause it's and a cute is, kitty. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. But then you pet the kitty and the, the kitty bites. The kitty bites. Yeah. You know? And it turns into like anal antics. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Toilet play, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. There's um, a party. <laughs> 24 hour potty people. Yeah. Yeah. It's a chapter in the book. That's also, that's a great title for a movie. Thank you. Um, maybe you should write that. Yes. Um, I want to read, oh God, there's a, the actual event of the birth. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're not sure if there's an antenna coming out <laughs> of your girlfriend's vagina. Okay, listen, what I want you to do is put your hands underneath your thighs, legs wide, all right? All right. 
E's legs are already up in the stirrups, but not the stirrups she's used to, the ones on the back of thoroughbreds. It's going to be a while before she straddles anything more challenging than a toilet bowl. Good, the doctor continues, ever calmly. Now fill your lungs to the top, and without making any noise, I want you to push as hard as you can, just like you're making a bowel movement. Okay? Push. Beautiful. I'm at my post by the head of the bed, mopping E's brow with a weirdly scrapey wash rag. The doctor glances up at me. Here she comes. Come on, Daddy, do you want to see? And without thinking, I leave the head of the bed and stagger to the foot where, before I can blink, I see some kind of long black probe protruding from E's savaged vagina. Jesus, fuck! What is that? An antenna... (laughs) This is part of, this is one of the moments in reading this book that I had to put the book down. And because I'm seeing, you're able, I'm mm. seeing it in my fucking mind's eye, your face. And that fuck, holy moly, when yeah. you see. But that was just the hair of your daughter. Yes. Or did she have- She actually an, had, the, she was actually an insect. I didn't want to talk about it. Well, no, let's what, talk- What was her hair? Yeah, she had yeah. a long, crazy, mo- she was born with like a mohawk. Yeah, yeah. She was like the youngest member of the plasmatics, which is way before your time. <laughs> but she had a giant black mohawk, yeah. Yeah, and it freaked you That is lack fuck. of grace under pressure right there. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned, um, uh, I think this is the chapter, chapter 12, which is um, called Inherit the Wind. Right. When she's four months old. You say a baby is like a Rorschach an occasionally adorable, periodically screamy blob onto which we project our own fears, delights, and inner damage. What did you realize? What were the things that you started to project on her that you were sort of unaware of before she came Well, it's different because my first kid, I was like completely on smack, you know, while it happened. So this time I was completely present. Yeah. Thereby reminding myself why I needed dope the first time, you know. But I, it, it is a blob. And what happens with a child? I don't know if you've been through this or if you're Single and, this. Yeah, no, yeah, no child. No child that you know of. Uh, you basically <laughs> look at this thing and you realize everything that was done to you at like that age. Or, you know, you just see, you project all your suffering yeah. and all your resentment toward your parents. Right. Which gives rise to my theory of child rearing, which is just fuck them up the opposite way. You were fucked up. Right, right. Does that answer your question on any level? Absolutely. Okay. It just changes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes complete fucking sense. You also say that, um, and I fucking love this, there's a truth about hanging with babies that nobody talks about. It can be fucking boring. (laughs) Mind-crushingly, soul-poisoningly boring. But you don't admit it because you know... Parenting is a sacred thing. Even if no way around it, some days you just kind of find yourself sitting there, toddler on lap, feeling your brain run to slush while you watch the 53,000th episode of Peter Rabbit. Yes. Um, the Nothing I've, to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever said that. No one's ever had the fucking courage to say... Yeah. If they've felt it, and maybe parents say it to other parents, but as a as a guy, a 37-year-old guy who is single and doesn't have a child, mm-hmm. I never get told the 
this is fucking boring or all the bad things that come with parenting. Uh, no one's ever, and, and no one's ever said to me, you know what you should do? You should get married and you should have a, have a kid because it's fucking awesome. Yeah. No one's ever said that to me. And maybe it's because of other things, uh, more about my personality than. I that think you'd be a stellar team. parent. Thank you so much. But it's no one's no no one has the courage to say the real truths. And this book is fucking full of those kinds of moments that yes, being a parent is fucking boring. Can at be. times. Can at be. times. I mean, listen, yeah. it's, it's infinitely gratifying. It's a lot of fun. They're adorable. Yeah. And there's nothing like the thrill of seeing your toddler walk across the room and bang her head across the, you know, smash her head into a wall and oh, wonder Christ. if like now, you know, you're going to be feeding her until she's 40. You just don't know what's going to happen. It's, the thing about babies is it's so much more dangerous than heroin. Like I thought I led a dangerous, like thrill-packed life. That was like pussy ass compared to this. You know right. what I mean? Right. And uh, <laughs> I may be too old for it. You know, I could be. I could have a stroke tonight, just like you know, picking her up when she falls down the stairs. But right. What are you going to do? You know? Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. But you- uh, it's. Not something that I go around telling people they should do. Yeah. Because I think for a lot of people, they're like yuppie pets. Yeah, for sure. Or they feel like they ha- this is something you have to do. Yeah. Your family, your like, society. Like, why the fuck? Yeah. There's for- plenty of them around. Right, right. We have an overpopulation. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's great. I'm glad I did it. And it's yeah. gratifying. But when I think of the world, she's going to inherit. You know, like, yeah. there's no water. She's going to be clawing for cancer scraps in, like, 15 years when everything disappears. <laughs> you know, and I'm not, what, I'm going to be, like, toddling behind in my walker, you know? Uh, you know, what have I right. done? Yeah. But, uh, it's like hey, the salt and sea on... on a, if we're lucky. Yeah, 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 fingers crossed. Or that movie version of the salt and sea, which I don't know if you saw. No. Oh, wow. Oh, boy. A good one? Great. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put that on the list. You talk a lot about... Um, about the fear of having that thing, this 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 new life, and the fear of poisoning it by accident. Of it, you had this really great. And I, by that, I mean psycho emotionally poisoning. Okay, right. Not giving it Drano. <laughs> right. Although that's always a fear. Yeah, you yeah, never yeah. Fucking you, know. Yeah, absolutely. Keep yeah. those cabinets locked. Yeah. But having that in the back of your mind, uh, germs, and you say like your girlfriend has been. Um, has been good about balancing your neuroses about the ch- the kid getting sick, getting something happening. Well, my fear which... is like, I, I'm like, I have the fear. I don't, I don't give a shit about germs because I know it's actually good for kids to be exposed right. to. The, it's Build like that... cell phones and the electromagnetic shit that yes. floats through the air. Yeah, yeah. And that stuff terrifies me. Do you listen to Howard Stern? Uh, I have listened to Howard Stern. I know he talks about that. Yeah, he's he's obsessed with that kind of shit. Yeah, sure. well, so am I, yeah. you know, and... uh but what are you going to do? You know, there's this shit's floating through the air. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what is the alternative to not have any of that and live in a house that- It doesn't matter because if your neighbor has it, it's still going to exactly. be coursing yeah. through your house. So my alternative is to just spend money on like crackpot devices that I heard advertised on coast to coast at 4 a.m., you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that because, saves your brain waves and- Well, yeah, yeah. You know, you put a little thing, you know, uh, it, it's not quite tinfoil hat. You put the tinfoil hat on the device, hoping that it blocks- <laughs> So you're not actually wearing it. <laughs> right, 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 right. You have sort of a psychological tinfoil hat. Um, you uh, you also talk in the book about because you write so honestly, um, especially in Permanent Midnight because it's the story of your life, it, people sometimes tend to overshare with you. Well, when you're a leper and you're outside society, you're the safe person to whom people can talk to because you're kind of not really in the fold 
You think that's it? That they think that you're other? Well, that you're. Si- I think it's that they're other, and also that you know you, you're going to understand. So yeah. Yeah, I feel like you're you because of what you've experienced, and you had the courage to be honest about it. You will give them a sympathetic ear. Sure. Did you? I'm did, unshockable, pretty much. Right. Right. Did that start? Like how when the book came out, or was it when the movie came out that people that you saw people? I, I know. I started noticing it right away. Like I did. Uh, I did Oprah. Before she had a book club. And when I got there, holy shit. Side note, I found out it was a show with a theme called When Smart People Do Dumb Things. So that was great. But (laughs) right out of the the gate. They didn't tell you that beforehand? Yeah, you know. That's weird. I ran the wrong way in my (laughs) high school football game. Uh, Some like little grip guy came up. Yeah, yeah. And just told me the most hellacious story about how his father was an addict and he stole his piggy bank and on and, you know, and he himself was, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm honored to listen. And I, I think everybody, ultimately all our secrets are the same on some level, Mm. but if somebody sees me as the safe person, you know, that, that's fine, you know, and it's great material. I bet. Yeah. You tell the story in the book about this dad coming up to you. The father had, was a pedophile and he, he had a stroke. And if he survived, they're going to put him, put him in jail. Yeah. And, oh, Jesus Christ. And you just had to walk away and go change a diaper. Even Yeah, that's like a nine in the morning dropping your child off. You know, it's like parking lot chatter. Fuck. But it, it is also wonderful that I'm like three times as old as all the other dads. So that, you know, I have that thrill. Yeah. So, oh, it's great. Grandpa brought the kid today. <laughs> hey, crusty old bastard. Do, hey. they, do they assume like you have, uh, like you've had more kids? Do they, do they think that you I, have? I don't know what they think because my wife, my na- she was my girlfriend, she's my wife. Oh, okay. She's like 28 years younger than I am. Yeah. So I've got that hate ray aimed at me just for sure. being that guy. You feel that? Uh, from you mentioned people, it in the book that you, you sometimes yeah, pick it, up on. It's, it's a, it's. It just happened, you know, I'm not like some old Rue, but I guess, you know, we all end up being accidental cliches on some level, you know. Right. Um, and it's just what people project onto you, you can see it in their eyes. I don't feel any of that weirdness myself, but you can see people, I turn into a cordy at that point and just start attacking their personality Smart. and who they are. That's yeah. it. I get defensive and I attack in God my mind. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. in my face oh, is just no, kind. Yeah, no, you yeah. never, never no. show it. Never betray yeah. what you're feeling. Yep, keep it hidden. Yes. Never reveal Never tell your anybody outside the family what you're thinking. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're going to take another very brief break and we'll be back with more with the great Jerry Stahl. Guys, my audience is smart. You're smart. You're thoughtful, educated folks, right? Yeah. Well, let's expand our brains with an amazing opportunity brought to you by the great folks at The Great Courses. Do you know The Great Courses? It's this amazing video, audio lecture company website um, that has, God, like 500 courses you can choose from to just expand your brain and learn about anything that you want to learn about just for the pleasure of learning. Uh, They have classes in literature and history, art, music, photography, science, and they're taught by these amazing award-winning professors. Uh, Specifically, this one class that I just watched, it's called The Art of Storytelling. 
from parents to professionals, and it's taught by this professor, Hannah Harvey. And I watch the videos, and they send you these videos, like these DVDs, so you can watch them on your computer, on your TV, or you can also download the audio of them and, and listen to them on, you know, on your iPod or in your car, driving to work. Um, and it provides really cool insights into the history of storytelling and then how, like, specific tools to help everyone become a better storyteller. So right now, for a limited time, I have a special offer for my listeners. Um, you order from eight of their best-selling courses, including The Art of Storytelling, at up to 80% off, 80 percent off the original price but this offer is only available for a limited time so you have to act now so go to thegreatcourses.com slash nate that's thegreatcourses.com slash nate and get into those savings today the great courses you you uh you just casually throw in this story at the end of the book um that i i need some answers on about uh -oh. going to Marlon Brando's island. Yes, to Tiaroa. Holy, I, I, I apologize if you've already talked about this at, at length. Nobody's ever asked me. What? Really? Yeah. So a magazine, Rolling Stone or something sent you there? What? You know, <laughs> this even makes it more dicey. Um, at one point, Larry uh, Flint, Flint started his classy magazine, Chic. C-H-I-C, right. which Mailer, I guess, wrote for. And he sent, and they had Whoa. shit tons of money. They sent me to Tahiti to this one little island where uh, I saw this guy. Well, actually, I'm going to back up. I saw this old lady mm -hmm. walking down the beach. They have these things called pareus. They're like, sort of like white moo-moos. Yeah, yeah. Like giant woman. And I will add that in Tahiti, for some strange reason, when you walk down the street, Women, old ladies just lie in the street. I don't know. They're like selling things. They're relaxing. They're just reclining in the street. Sure. So there's a lot of very large women of a certain age. So one of these I see walking down this beautiful beach with flowing hair, ample breasts. And as they get closer, I realize it's Brando. Oh, my God. And oh my God. I was so – I don't know about you, but when I see people – Mind you, somebody spent a lot of money sending me there to interview this guy. I was just so weirded out, intimidated, and impressed, and starstruck. I didn't even say anything. And so basically, he ran a hotel for like, it was like a rich resort for Italian people and oh. rich Europeans. So the extent of my conversation with Brando was him like bitching about the price of New Zealand butter. So I was like, I could have been a contender instead of a bum, which is what I am, because I didn't have the fucking balls to even interview the guy. So I wrote this whole article about how I just pussied out when I got there because, hey, it's fucking Marlon Brando. The other weird thing about the place is it was a uh, beautiful island. There's all these gorgeous little kids. And when you realize they all have Brando's face. It's so fucking so it was like crazy. The, the tribe of Brando, tiny Holy Brando's shit. running around. Holy shit. How long were you there for? I was just there for like four days. It was just, and, but I had the flu, so I was like Ugh. sick anyway because I had stupidly needed to get high before I got on a plane. I shared a joint or something with a guy who was like dying of the flu because oh, I'm a fucking idiot. Fuck. So I was sort of in a weird place anyway, as I would have been without the flu. I can't blame the fucking flu. And uh, <laughs> so I did talk to Brando. I don't even know if he knew I was a reporter. He just thought I was some weird American 
you know, nut job down there by myself. And, uh, but he did have a certain grace, you know? He, he did. Was, he was sailing. There was this, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Performance. No. Uh, great Mick Jagger's in it. Very bizarre 70s movie written by a guy named Donald Camel who had this beautiful Asian wife with him who, I, I don't know if there's a lawsuit here, but I mean, he was just very generous. They were all hanging out together, Brando oh and, and uh, but I saw Brando with her and getting on a boat and he sort of swung himself on the boat and he was, you realize at that moment, it was like the same kind of beautifully agile wow. guy he was, yeah. you know, and, and rebel without a cause, yeah, you right. know? And uh, yeah. it was pretty amazing to see that within this like cream cheese sculpture of a man, <sighs> there was this older Brando and right. it was just too much for my candy ass sensibility to man up and interview him on anything but the subject of how the New Zealanders were gouging him on dairy products. Holy shit. We really bonded over that. I got like 20 minutes on that on tape, <laughs> which wasn't, you know, I didn't You really, have it on tape? I did, yeah, somewhere. Does that tape exist? No, I moved around a lot. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. I, I spent a lot of time and I was like figuring out whether I wanted to be an actor or not, sort of mm -hmm. obsessing about his early career. Not so much late, fat, New Zealand butter Brando, but early, young, crazy, you know, sure. hypersexualized, uh, like basically changing fucking acting and, and w along with, with, uh, his pal, uh, who, uh, Kazan, Lee Kazan. One of those first few mov movies are just, they, seeing him in On the Waterfront, you're seeing, you're seeing every, everyone else around him is still playing it, hey, let's get the bad guy. And he's like in a fucking, yeah. and yeah. he's in a completely different movie. Yeah. And you see the others, as the movie goes on, try oh, to like get to his yeah. level. There's yeah. this famous scene where he's sitting in the park with, um, oh, fuck, I'm blanking on her name. Eve Marie Saint? Yes, yeah. Eve Marie Saint, where he's sort of, she's picking her gloves off of her hands and she drops one. And before this movie, like, you would have said, cut, sorry, I dropped my glove. But she dropped it and Brando dives down and picks it up and hands it to her. You can see this flash in her face and she kind of giggles. It's like, oh, we're gonna keep going even though something, it's like, yes, people drop gloves yeah. in real life, so let's keep fucking going here. Wow. And it's such a, this, like, this moment where he just changed storytelling. Uh, yeah. I feel like there's this great, a friend of mine had this book on the group theater Mm -hmm. And I'm tr I've been trying to find this book ever since, and I can't find it. There's a photograph in this book. He showed it to me, where they were doing some old, um, oh God, Clifford Odette's play. It was like mm -hmm. Waiting for Lefty mm -hmm. or something. And and when they were when they were trying to change, uh, when they were doing like that realism. Finally, you wouldn't come on the stage and go, "Hey," and like stand at three quarters and face the audience, even though you're talking to someone next to you. They would come out and actually have real conversations. And they were doing a rehearsal. And a character, it was like Lee J. Cobb or something, faints in the play. And because he did it realistically and not, you know, swoon with his, you know, hand on his forehead, a guy in uh, offstage, like a grip, you know, someone who's like pulling in the curtain, thinks he's actually fainted. So the photograph is of him running on stage with a pail of water to splash him and the other actors going like this, stopping him, which is basically that photograph captured the, brilliant. like that is brilliant. the moment yeah. when mm -hmm. like realism became yeah. the thing. 
And I've been trying to find that fucking picture for I'm going to make it years. my mission to find it for you. It was Jerry, a, book, a book about the group theater. About the group theater. There's been like four books written. I have all four of them, and that the photograph is not in there. And I'm there. sure you've Googled the shit out of it. Oh, man. Yeah. Absolutely. If anyone right. out there un- has seen that photograph or has read that book, right. call Jerry. And then, Jerry, you call me. Lunch with me and Nate. Exactly. Her- yes, yes. yes. Um, I, can't, I just can't believe that you spent. I'm such a Brando obsessive, and I like to throw money away, that I bought his <laughs> – this is a revealing moment. I bought his telephone. Mm-hmm. His – when he died, all of his shit up on Mulholland, like went to some estate really? sale. Oh, my God. And all this stuff was – like everything in his house was being sold. Fucking toothbrushes and vases and an ashtray and a fucking I wonder dish. if Wally Cox's ashes were for sale. Because he kept them right. He was a ham radio operator. I looked, I peeked into one of his bungalows and he had Wally Cox's ashes and a picture of Wally there. Holy shit. The actor Wally Cox, if you know who that was. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. If those ashes made it back from Tahiti to Uh Mulholland, then I'm sure. You could have owned them. Do you have his phone, man? Is it a push button or a rotary or what? It's a a push button. There's a bunch of, there's, it's a, the receiver is wrapped in bamboo. It was like this little way that he could sort of hang on to, Tahiti, basically. A little bit of the tropics. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. a touch of the tropics. There are, it's a big phone. There are two lines and there's about 25. Um, are there names in it? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. And you see their names. Anybody you know? Uh, Rita Moreno is on there. She's like number six. Yeah. Um, his lawyer, his office in Beverly Hills and his house in Palm Springs. Sure. His agent, his fam- whose name I'm fucking blanking on, but the guy who represented him forever. Um his son, mm-hmm. the one, the Christian, Christian the one yeah. who murdered, yeah. Um, his daughter, um, uh, his assistant. Uh, oh, fluff, there's another big celebrity on there that I'm forgetting. Fuck, I forget. But I, but I, so I, I, so I have this guy's telephone in my that house. That is, do, do, do you feel a certain magic? I mean, do you use it? I, I don't I don't use it because I'm it kind enshrined? of enshrined. Is it yes, bronze? Yeah. Is it a, in a glass encased? It's, it's not bronzed, <laughs> but I mean, that's that's a beautiful thing to have, it's, man. See, okay, that's you and I get along, Jerry. Because no, I really I, understand that. I, oh, that. See, that's my I am a collector. I want mm-hmm. tangible evidence of history. We had a, a guy in from Mystery Pier Books. Do you know that place? I know this. Uh, yeah, first yeah, right, edition, right next to uh, Book, Book Soup. Soup. Yeah. yeah. First edition of rare books and like signed shit, like that is my- You love that kind of stuff, yeah. Love it. I will just throw good money after bad to get a signed Eugene O'Neill. I just gave away to somebody for no apparent reason because I'm a giver awayer, the paperback, ace paperback of Junkie that was written by William Lee. It doesn't even say William Burroughs on it. Whoa. How did you, how did you get that? I just got, I just got it like at a cheap bookstore years ago. And this guy was like a collector and he was really into it. And it's like on one, on the back of it is like queer, his other book. Yeah. So it's one of those books where you flip it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And and then I realized it was worth like 3,500 bucks, but what are you going to do? You know? Yeah, fuck it. Um, You know, if, if I may mention another podcast, is that bad form? No, please. There's a great podcast done by Katrina Longworth called You Must Remember This. I don't and, know it. And she has a great, it's, it's just Holly, Hollywood stuff. And she has a thing about Brando in the last tango in Paris years. Yeah, yeah. And the ins and outs on that. Speaking and there's of a butter. lot of backstory. Yeah, but a lot of other stuff leading yeah. up to the butter. But she has one great detail about Brando that I didn't know. Like when he was doing Broadway, 
on the in the in the playbill, he always invented a completely fake bio. Yes. Did you know that every I, single time? I have which is kind of oh, you probably have the playbills. I have the playbill from You, you should um, listen to that podcast. It. I will. And track it. She's amazing and it's an amazing show. Wow. And they met the woman I have no dog in his fight. Yeah, yeah. It's just a great you would love the detail oh, and the backstory. I'm of so Brando. into it. Yeah. I, I have a original copy of the streetcar named Desire um playbill. Really? Yeah, yeah. When oh it was him God, and uh, Jess- Jessica Tandy played sure, Blanche, yeah, uh, and they fucking hated each other because she Did was they really? yeah, because he he would come on stage and you wouldn't know where the fuck he was gonna go. He oh. would, and he always showed he always walked on stage with a hard on, and sometimes he'd walk on stage soaking wet. He would just like oh, I'm gonna fucking jump into the shower before I walk on stage this time. So whenever he came on stage, he was like he a always fucking, had a hard on. Always he made sure. Did that he have he, a fluffer? I mean, how did that work? Um. I, Probably, but just, I think he—I think he was able to he was take able care to of it himself. Yeah, bone up. He had these tight jeans. He'd have a like super sure. hard every time yeah. he walked on stage. He was like a lion. People were fucking terrified yeah. on stage because they didn't know what he was going to do. Well, he was like that. Apparently, Sinatra hated him because in Guys and Dolls, yes. he would constantly, he would deliberately blow lines. Right. And I guess right. he made fun of Sinatra, who had like a. Uh, he had a fake ass because Sinatra had no ass, so he had like a fake thing in his pants to right. give him some butt. Right, right. And you know, I guess Brando was just like relentless, and and, Sinat- and had no respect for the guy with right. fucking ever. Yeah, you know? and Sinatra's like these fucking New York actors think they're yeah. the fucking yeah. making fun of my faux ass. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> my um, pads. Uh, remind again, my uh, my listeners, when the book uh, comes out. The book comes out oddly enough on Father's Day. Um. And you don't have to be a parent, no, to be disturbed by having a child. <laughs> I'm I'm not a parent. This book was so much fun to it read. It means so much to me that you no. found it so funny. Oh, and please, intense, it man. was that means a lot. It was hilarious and overwhelming and brutal and so fucking fun. And um, I cannot express to my listeners enough to go get this book when it comes out because it is, it is just it's a party. I and had so much fun. I, it is kind of available now in what they call a soft, as we said, a flaccid release. Yeah. So, uh, but the official pub date when it's, you know, on display in Barnes and Noble and such is right. uh, June 21st. Jerry Stahl, what a fucking pleasure. Thank you so pleasure much Pleasure was all on. mine, man. Thank you. I want to thank uh, Sarah Thayer, uh, who had Jerry on her show, Cry Babies. And uh, thank you, Sarah, for passing uh, the delightful Jerry Stahl onto me so I could interview him. I had so much fun chatting with him. I hope that came across. I feel like I'm laughing like a fucking hyena for the first 15 <laughs> minutes because uh, I was really anxious. But um, I, I had such a good time talking to him. It was so much fun. I just, I really enjoyed that interview. It was, it was great. So a big thank you to Jerry for coming in and uh, go buy his book because like I said 50 times during the interview, it's fucking awesome. OG dad, go buy it now. Uh, that's another episode of Reading Aloud. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. I, I really appreciate all the support and because uh, the show is growing and it's really exciting. So uh, next week will be the book club for 11-22-63, Stephen King's book about a guy who goes uh, back in time to prevent the Kennedy assassination. I'm on page 650 now. I will be finished by the time we do the book club. 
and get in your thoughts. If you read that fucker, oh, it was it's so fun. This book is so fun. Get in your thoughts uh, at readingaloudpodcast at gmail.com. Readingaloudpodcast at gmail.com. And share your thoughts with us, please. Um, and the next book, I'm giving you some more time than usual, is H is for Hawk, Helen McDonald. Go to Skylight Books uh, on Vermont and get 15% off. And then join us for the live book club with Paul Shear, Julianne Smolinski, Aya Cash, and the great Jerry Stahl. July 21st at 7.30 at Skylight Books. I am so excited to see you guys there. And we'll see you next week with a book club episode of Reading Loud. My name is Nick Cordry, and I like all of you. Oh, you hit me like a hurricane! Again, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Graze.com, the snack service that wants to show you the tasty side of healthy snacking, Graze.com. They deliver tasty and nutritious snacks right to your job or to your home. They're perfectly portioned, and they're ready for on-the-go snacking. Each snack is approved by their in-house nutritionist, and there's no GMOs, no artificial flavors, no trans fat, so you can feel good about what you're snacking on. And they have over a hundred snack creations to check out on their website. You can rate them, find the snacks that you want, and they come right to your door. So go to graze.com, G-R-A-Z-E.com now and get a free trial box that includes four of their top-rated snacks. But you have to use a special code, Nate. That's graze.com, code Nate for your free box. Thanks, guys. Hop. Wolf Pop is part of Midroll Media, executive produced by Adam Sachs, Matt Gorley, and Paul Shear.